the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Man, we've made it to hump day. I love getting the hump day because it makes me positive that I'm hopefully going to get to the weekends. I mean, we're at hump day. You know, it's Wednesday. It's over the hill day. It's closer to Friday than it was on Monday. And that's a good thing. Uh, Some stories happening over uh, night that we should probably talk about. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, I got to give the devil her due. Uh, showed up in Taiwan and told the Taiwanese uh, uh, legislature that uh, the United States firmly stands behind them. I didn't uh, hear the entire uh, speech that she gave. I don't know if she got into the whole, you know, there's just one China or there's, you know, I, I just think this this whole one one country thing is going to have to have to be rearranged somehow. I mean, China feels like Taiwan is theirs. Uh, the people of Taiwan do not believe that China owns them. So I think you go with the country. So I'm going to I'm going to set aside and say that, you know, Taiwan, uh, uh, Chiang Kai-shek, uh, when he went there, set up a government away from Mao, uh, who took over China, who made it communist. And the Chai Khans are, have been in, uh, in control ever since uh, of, of mainland China, but they do not control uh, Taiwan. And even in the Straits of, of Taiwan, uh, the Chinese aren't supposed to go past a certain point. Uh, because they don't own those waters. They belong to the people of uh, Taiwan. And yesterday, when, you know, they were doing their saber rattling and saying, you take another step, we're going to have to uh, do something. (laughs) You know, that's basically what they were doing yesterday. Yesterday was all bluster for China. Uh, They, I believe, as I watched it, uh, they showed... uh, that they've got some real problems there. Uh, I know that their leader has been watching Russia. They've been watching, uh, you know, Putin and seeing what he's going to continue to do in uh, uh, the Ukraine. And he's uh, watching our our feckless president that we have that, uh, doesn't have a bone in his body to stand up against real dictators. In fact, he'll go and beg for oil from dictators. 
uh, like uh, Venezuela and, and others, uh, and, and, and say, please, please, you're going to look like Oliver, you know, after. Could I have some more, please? You know, hold his hold our tanker up and say, could you fill this up for us? Anyway, that's uh, that's what, uh, you know, Biden basically does. Uh, we, we've seen it on display in Afghanistan. Now we see it, uh, you know, at first and what was going on with uh, Nancy Pelosi, because they told her not to go. Don't go to Taiwan. Don't need any problems over there. You know, well, stand up, have backbone, sir. She's an American citizen. She should be able to travel to the country she wants unless the country says that she's going to. You can't come in here. Okay, I I can understand that. But I don't understand other countries saying to her, you may not go there. You know, you're an American citizen. We understand that. But you can't go to Taiwan. Mm-mm, no, that, that's not that's not good. We don't like that. That makes us up. That makes us upset. So I congratulate the Speaker of the House for what she's doing. I forget how many. I think 62 Republicans signed the letter to her. Uh, backing her for making her trip out of Taiwan. Uh, look, we have got to get this supply chain stuff taken care of, and that means doing business with our friends and not our enemies. China is not. Let me repeat this again to you in case you didn't hear the N-O-T word. Uh, China is not our friend. I mean, when uh, Nixon first opened up the doors of trade the way he did uh, with China, him and Kissinger, you know, I thought there was some real uh, possibilities that China would want to be part of the world. And uh, guess what? Not so much. They don't want to be part of the world. Uh, They want to be in control of the world. They want the Chinese Communist Party to rule and not work within uh, uh, other countries and work with them and have peaceful relations well, with them. No, they talk their peace stuff, but uh, in the background, they're doing anything but being peaceful. And to say that uh, they're not believers in the free market is an understatement. So it's time for us to uh, make things a whole lot easier here in this country to build and to allow uh, companies uh, to do their business. And and that doesn't include adding the 15 percent, you know, corporation tax like Schumer wants to do with the Democrats in the Senate. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't help business. That hinders business. Uh, we should be as business friendly as we can so that these people can make their products here and we don't have to be worrying about, you know, what happens if China gets upset with us and uh, wants to say, well, you know, we'll just disrupt the supply chain. So I'm look, I'm I'm one of those people that believes that China's playing a long game here and has been playing a long game for quite some time. Uh with us and this whole COVID thing uh, was something that they have used to attack every world's economy. I do believe that.
because their economy was suffering. Look, they only have uh, so many people. Okay, they only have so many people. They've they've got to have the rest of the world to buy their products. That's why they made sure that uh, companies came here or came to their country to make those products so that that money flowed to their country. Because the majority of Chinese cannot buy the products that are made in China. They don't make enough money. They don't have... uh, the technical skills to get a job or whatever. Uh, and then over in uh, in China, you get all, you want to talk slave labor? You folks that are out there talking about slavery, go take a look at what they're doing in China. That's real slavery that's going on there. That used to happen here in this nation at one time, and it was stopped. You know, this whole slavery argument they make uh, today, saying how bad things are for certain people, uh, pales. Uh, That argument just pales when you start looking at the Uyghurs and some of the others that are over in in China. It's uh, 14 after 6. Got to get our first break in. Let's do that. Coming up at the uh, bottom of the hour, 635, we're going to be joined by uh, a special guest that's going to talk about CRT and what's going on in the state of Oklahoma. Some things happening there that you need to hear about. And uh, because I think we're going to have some of these problems here in Arkansas as well, where there'll be a, there's going to be a law. Uh, passed saying you can't teach this or that in a public school system and some public school systems are going to go ahead and do it anyway and uh, we need to talk about that before it becomes a reality here in arkansas so that's that's coming your way here on the dave ellswick show we'll be talking with them in a moment uh we've got uh, congressman hill congressman westerman uh during the eight o'clock or seven o'clock hour to eight o'clock hour and then at nine o'clock uh jimmy's going to join us my uh, foi guy He's going to come on, and if you live up in the Cabot area, you won't want to miss it. Do you know how much your uh, superintendent really makes? He makes a freaking lot of money, all right? Uh, Right around a quarter of a million dollars. And everybody's talking about teacher's pay. Well, why don't we pull back on what we give superintendents and spread that money around a little bit. We'll talk about that as well. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 16 after 6. Uh, don't forget about what David Lucas Financial is up to. They're helping you prepare to buy silver or gold. Most uh, people who are uh, talking to you about your nest egg are telling you because of what's going on in the world of of um, inflation that you should have probably 15% in your nest egg of uh, precious metals. But buying precious metals and and working them into your system uh, can be a little bit daunting, and you need to know the information about how you need to go about buying it. And you can learn more about buying silver and gold through David Lucas Financial. Just call 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. And uh, learn how silver and gold could help you protect your assets. They work with one of the uh, uh, only regulated and licensed uh, national wholesalers here in the country. 
which means you'll get direct prices from a dealer that you can trust. That number again, 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. All right, back with you. We were talking about Pelosi. And again, I give her a high five on this. I really do. Um, it's good that she stood up uh, against the uh, the Chicoms and uh, went on to Taiwan and met with uh, some of the people over there in political realm and met with the president of Taiwan and talked to them. Um, I'm not so thrilled with the way the president handled the situation. He, I mean, the way it started off, it was like, eh, you don't need to go, you know. Chinese were making, you know, threats that they weren't going to, you know, carry out, like we'll shoot a plane down and all that other stuff. They're not going to take a chance on starting a war because that's what that would have done. So, uh you know, they were just making a bunch of hollow threats. And, you know, at the end of the of the day, all they're doing is making a bunch of noise. They went up to their line that they say that the waters that they own in the Straits of Taiwan and didn't go over that line. They stayed short of it, didn't go anywhere. Now, we did show a little bit of strength. Uh, I think the, uh, the aircraft carrier Roosevelt uh, was deployed over fairly close to Taiwan and uh, showing a little bit of force and good that the president did that, but should have did it from the very beginning. Should not have allowed uh, the Chinese to make it look like they they could in some way uh, tell, you know, the Speaker of the House that they can't travel, or an American citizen for that matter, travel and, and go visit uh, over in in Taiwan. Now, coming up, I was telling you that we're going to, we're going to have a special guest uh, coming up uh, in the uh, 9 o'clock hour. I already had some people who wanted to talk uh, about uh, the uh, school teachers because I've got a problem with school teachers being basically told they can't be given a raise because the school system uh, in uh, in these different areas across the state you know the different uh, uh, counties don't have the money to do it, but yet they're paying uh, superintendents exorbitant money uh, to run their school districts, and I do mean exorbitant money. And we're going to talk somewhat about that with uh, uh, Jimmy, who's going to come on at nine o'clock. He's my FOI guy, and uh, I asked him to pull all of the necessary. Uh, paperwork dealing with how much uh you know tony thurman superintendent of cabot is making and uh, i want everybody to make sure they understand how much of the money that goes into the cabot school system ends up in his pocket because it's exorbitant it's i can tell you right now by contract two hundred and forty thousand dollars a year $240,000 $240,000 a year. And uh, and then you tell your teachers, you know, you can't get them a raise. Eh, I got problems with that. I got uh, I got I got big problems with that. And I think the people of of Cabot are going to have to see it for what it is and going to have to deal with it. Uh 
for what it is uh, in our in our school district, as well as, you know, Thurman's been around a long time, and I'm not I'm not saying that he's not done a decent job in Cabot. He did. I said he did. Post past, uh, you know, information information I've seen charts that I've seen show that. Uh, Cabot isn't ahead of all the, you know other school districts here in the area and stuff like they used to be. Uh, they're 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 losing their momentum and have been now for quite a few years. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that further in the uh, the nine o'clock hour, along with uh, over in Oklahoma, they've got some schools that are teaching things that their legislature has told them not to teach. They've just gone ahead like CRT. They've just gone on and, and, and taught it. Well, we're going to talk about CRT uh, with the doctor who's going to be on with us, why it shouldn't be taught, and that uh, Arkansas has got to keep their eye on the ball to make sure that uh, the, the local school districts are uh, following the rules, so to speak. So we'll talk about that coming up at uh, 9 o'clock. Don't forget, next hour we'll have both of the uh, – uh, congressman on with us from uh, second district, fourth district. That's of course Congressman Hill and Con- Congressman uh, Westerman. So they're, they'll be joining us here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. The uh, the person who's joining us uh, next hour is Dr. Guthis, and uh, he'll be talking to us. He's a philosopher and apologist. And he'll, uh, he's going to tell you a lot about CRT that you may not have known about before. So I'll have a lot of questions for him. If you've got a question, you can call in and ask him that question uh, that you have as well. Uh, in the last hour if you uh, at 9 o'clock, if you want to talk about this whole thing about teacher salaries, we can talk about that as well uh, also here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show, something that we can uh, discuss at that time. Right now, we're about a minute away from news. We're going to have local news come your way. Uh, In Kansas last night, you know, a lot of primaries, Missouri, Kansas, some other states, I think Arizona, uh, to see who's going to be running in November. And uh, looking at uh, what's going down in uh, the state of uh, Kansas, uh, they voted uh, to say that uh, uh, the state cannot uh, make it illegal to have an abortion. All right. So for all of you that are so worried about the uh, Dobbs case that just went through the Supreme Court and that uh, because of the Dobbs case, uh, uh Abortion is going to be illegal in the United States. That's not what it did. What it did is return the power to the states, and they can decide how they want to deal with that issue. And that because it's not mentioned, it's not mentioned inside of the uh, the Constitution. So uh, you know, Kansas has decided they don't want to do like uh, Arkansas has done, and you'll still be able to get a abortion there all right let's get to the news we'll do that then come back here on the dave ellswick show all right back with you dave ellswick show they're saying chances of rain i mean we really had a lot of thunder and everything uh in cabot last night and had a little bit of 
uh, drizzle. It, it was kind of the, the the response that we got from China about Nancy Pelosi being in, in Taiwan. Lots of noise, but very little action whatsoever. And so, um, you know, something to keep in mind. You know, some people make a lot of noise, but nothing happens because of it. Hey, don't forget about what's happening with uh, Billy Mack. He owns ICU Protection. He wants you to have uh, the kind of security you want at your home or your business. Remember that ICU takes care of Nuke One. They make sure that nuke reactor is taken care of. And uh, I don't know about you. I don't have a nuke reactor in my, you know, my living room or my bedroom. So... Uh, it's going to be a whole lot easier for him to protect my, my house than uh, Nuke One. You can get the door and window sensors. You can get the doorbell camera. You can get other cameras around indoors and outdoors, motion detection, all of that for your house or for your business. You know, sleep in your house and uh, sleep without fear. Uh, go home from your business when you shut it down and know that you can be watching it while you're at your house because if anything happens, it goes directly to your smartphone and you can watch what's happening in your business or right around your business in real time. All you have to do is call Billy Mac 501-205-1333, and he'll talk to you. You decide what you need done in your business or in your home. Know that you only pay for the service. You do not pay for the hardware. Hardware belongs to you. Does not belong to the folks at ICU Protection, and you don't have to pay for it. You just pay for the service. That's Billy Mack and ICU. Again, give them a call, 501. I've got them. It works, man. I love it. 501-205-1333. All right, over in Oklahoma. Got some school systems that are wild cannons. Uh, they think that they can teach CRT when uh, the legislature told them, no, you can't t- teach CRT. And so they've reacted to that. And that's a good thing, uh, first of all, that they've reacted to, to school systems that aren't following the rules. But it's also good that the uh, Oklahoma legislature understands that CRT is not something you want taught in your school systems. And uh, Dr. Uh, Douglas Grotheist is going to join us. He's a doctor of philosophy, and he's going to talk about this whole thing about CRT. Uh, First of all, let's talk about school boards or school uh, department of educations and states and uh, legislatures uh, having the guts to stand up and say, hey, we told you not to be doing this. Now, if you're not going to stop, we're going to punish you for it. Well, I think those situations have to be policed, and we've got to have a, a uh, understanding of what critical race theory is. I've got a new book that just came out yesterday on that called Fire in the Streets, and I took a look at the bill that relates to this issue, and I think it's worded pretty well. It says that they did not want stereotypes about races or I think it specified races, racial stereotypes taught to children. And critical race theories of view that you find opposition between the oppressors and the oppressed, and the oppressors are pretty much white males, and uh, the oppressed are people of color and females. And this is a, a very dualistic kind of worldview that you understand people primarily by virtue of their group membership and not really as individuals. And the way this 
shakes down in the schools if they're teaching this is that America is essentially a racist country. It's systemically racist. It was from the beginning. That was the teachings of the 1619 Project that yes. the New York Times put out. And that's just not true to history. Certainly we've had a, a very mixed racial background in the United States, but something I say in the book is that given our Declaration of Independence and Constitution, we've been able to, to some extent, overcome these things and create a, a more free and more fair society. Well, we've got, look, you look at the United States. I just did my Patriot tour here uh, at the radio station. We do that each year. And we went up to Philadelphia, and we went out in Amish territory and all kinds of stuff. And we went to Gettysburg. That was one of the places that we went. So we went, and we saw where the Declaration was signed. We saw where the Constitution was signed. And then we saw... The probably the major turning point of the Civil War, where over 600,000 men and women died fighting over the issue of slavery. And then we look in the 60s and see what Dr. King did in the 60s. Seems to me that we're moving forward. We're not moving backwards. And it's not today is not like it was back then, although these other groups would want us to believe that. Well, that's right, certainly. And I refer back to Martin Luther King in my book several times because when he gave his famous speech in Washington in 1963, I think there are 250,000 people there. Uh, about 60,000 of those there were, were white folks. So it's it's not like this is uh, uh, the blacks versus the whites. The whole civil rights movement was the idea that we do hold true and live up to our founding principles. And in that speech, Martin Luther King talked about uh, the magnificent documents of the Declaration and the Constitution. Right. And what we see with critical race theory as it comes down through Black Lives Matter and other places is uh, no, that's not true. In fact, we need to burn it down. In the summer of 2020, that was very literal with all the fire in the streets around the country and billions of dollars of damage, people killed, uh, police stations burned down. I mean, this is very serious. I was in Alaska at the time for the summer in the rural area, and my wife and I thought, should we even come back to Denver? That's where I teach. That's where I live. We did. But that's how severe it was. I think the whole country was in, in a state of shock over that. So in the book, I'm trying to get to the philosophical roots of all this. And it's bad. It's essentially Marxism. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's not just a dog whistle. You know, <laughs> it's the truth. And I document that in the book. And out of Marxism, nothing good comes. Yeah, you're you're exactly right, Doctor. Doctor Douglas, uh, Douglas uh, Grothuis is our guest, uh, and he's a doctor of philosophy. And we're talking. We want to talk now. We're going to move into the part of the conversation that I want to talk about CRT. Look, the left and the and, and the crazies on the left that are Marxists tried to do it uh, first by uh, pitting the rich against the poor, the bourgeoisie against yeah. the proletariat, all right? That didn't work here in the United States because our belief is the American dream, which means you got to make some money to be able to do that, and the people who are poor want to get up there where, you know, the people who have a little bit more have, and that's that's part of it. So they had to kind of revamp their whole argument, and now what they've tried to do is divide us by colors. 
Right. Yeah, there was a group in the 20s and 30s called the Frankfurt School. Uh, they're all atheist Marxists, and they had to revise the theory because Marx's predictions of this great workers' revolution uh, never happened, really. Even the Marxist revolutions in Russia and China were not so much from the, the ground up as the, the top down. It wasn't from the civil government, but it was from people who were not in the proletariat. And they were very worried, too, about Europe and the U.S. because people were not revolting. I guess they hadn't read their Communist Manifesto. So they said, we need to add dimensions to this. We need to talk about how people of color are oppressed and sexual minorities are oppressed. And some people say, look, well, don't you realize that these folks have had troubles over the years and they need to be treated as, as human beings? Certainly. But you don't need a neo-Marxist theory to explain the situation or to try to remedy it or try to ameliorate it. Basic American principles of human rights that we are given, uh, inalienable rights by our creator, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and things like the First Amendment in the Constitution, the five freedoms there of religion, speech, assembly, and so on. That's the foundation that we need to build on. Uh, really, the critical race theory approach is to burn it all down. Really. Yeah. But, America's too good for that. Yeah. What's the name of your book again, Doctor? Yeah, it's called Fire in the Streets. Okay. How to respond to today's incendiary top cultural topics. All right. So we're, Salem, Salem Books. All right. So, well, great. You know, we're a Salem radio station, so uh, we're glad to have you on today. I need to take a break. Can you stick with us for one more segment? I can. All right. Well, we'll do that. Dr. Uh, Douglas uh, Groteheitz is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show talking CRT. When we come back, let's uh, really dig into it a little bit uh, to give you something to talk about about around the water cooler today when you get to work and you can bring it up and give some facts out to your uh, your friends and neighbors and make them think a little bit, hopefully. Hey, don't forget about uh, PI Roofing. PI Roofing is your roof leak detective. If you've got a problem uh, from all that hail we had back a few months ago, you're still waiting for people to work on your house, don't wait. Call PI Roofing. Get in line and get it done quickly, efficiently, and professionally with the folks at PI Roofing. I've been using PI Roofing since I owned, owned my home here in uh, in Cabot uh, for a period of uh, now, what, how long has it been? 20 years now? be 20 years this year. So uh, nobody else has walked my roof. Nobody else has worked on my roof except for PI Roofing. That's how much I trust them. I think you can trust them that way as well. Call them, 501-707-3551. That's 501-707-3551, or do it online, piroofing.com. All right, our guest is Dr. Douglas Grotzeitz, and he has written a new book, Fire in the Streets. It's out by Salem. You can find it on their website, find it in uh, online. Uh, you should get yourself a copy of it. talks about CRT, talks about its uh, communist roots, uh, leftist roots that you need to know about. And uh, what are some things that parents should watch out for when their children come home from school? And uh, are there any buzzwords that they might hear? And when they hear it, you know that this is being perpetrated in the school that your child is in. Right. Well, I think anything related to uh, race in American history uh, should be carefully inspected. 
It's not like we should not talk about racial problems in American history in in uh, state schools. We should absolutely, absolutely, yeah. But you don't you don't want to give this highly ideological "America is wrong from the beginning" kind of approach because that's simply not true. That comes out of this uh, sixteen nineteen project, which is a critical race theory approach to American history. And the idea is, if you're going to be a revolutionary, you have to discredit the present system. The American ideal is to reform it according to its basic and essential principles. The Marxist or neo-Marxist idea is to uh, fundamentally change it, fundamentally transform it, because as it is, it's completely broken. That's what we need to really be concerned about. And if parents have their children in state schools, I'd really ask them to reconsider that. Uh, could you put your child into a, a good private school or home school? But if they are in a state school, then I'd say get involved with the school board. Take a look at those textbooks, definitely. Keep up to date. And it's not like people are going to say, we're teaching critical race theory. Uh, that's a buzzword. They'll try to hide it, typically. Or if you discover it, they might say, well, don't you want to teach the truth about America's past about race and you say, yes, I do, but I don't want a neo-Marxist ideology setting the terms of everything because that, that goes against my fundamental beliefs. Yeah, there's there's a difference between teaching the truth of what has happened historically in our country when you look at the Civil War, when you look at why the uh, the framers took out the, fra- the, the, the three sentences that, you know, that uh, 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 Jefferson wanted to put into uh, the Declaration of Independence because South Carolina wasn't going to sign on and it had to be, you know, to be the Declaration of Independence. And you needed uh, no no votes uh, in that vote. Everybody had to agree that they wanted independence to be able to do it. So they needed to start the country. And so they pulled it out and they had uh, uh, they, they started talking about when they got into the Constitution, about the way that you could amend the Constitution right. to move right. forward that way. I mean, mm-hmm. our our form of governance is so much different than everybody else. We are light years above everybody else. Well, that's true, and that's what people call American exceptionalism. And in one sense, you can't even debate that because the United States came into being in a way that is exceptional, is different than any other nation because you have these brilliant people trying to figure out what a republic would mean. Right. And, uh, you know, after uh, Ben Franklin came out of the Constitutional Convention, he was asked, uh, Mr. Franklin, what have you given us? And famously, he said, a republic, if you can keep it. Yeah. So part of keeping the republic is knowing who we are and where we came from. So a very central theme in my book is uh, that the American system needs to be understood and valued. And if we need changes, we need changes from within the system, so to speak, or according to our best lights, our best principles. And the idea is if we don't want, if we don't get what we want immediately, we're going to burn it down. We're going to attack police, defund the police, uh, get rid of prisons. I mean, this is neo-Marxist revolutionary talk, and it's never helped. It's never worked anywhere in the world. And Uh, I want people to wake up to this fact and realize that just because they use some positive language about uh, dealing with systemic evils and bringing about justice, that doesn't mean the fundamental philosophy is sound. In fact, 
it is not sound at all with critical race theory. Oh, yeah. You got the left right now saying, uh, oh, yeah, we believe in freedom of speech, but what you want to talk about, we don't agree with. So you may talk about it, but only in that square over there that's eight by eight. Yeah, I've got a chapter in the book about ideology and free speech, and uh, Marxists don't believe in free speech, really. They might say it, but with critical race theory, which is kind of neo-Marxism, the idea is that the oppressors, uh, the white male, heteronormative, terrible folks, are so corrupted that we don't want to hear what they say. We will not give them a platform. So there's not the idea of an open marketplace of ideas at all. It's shut them down, cancel them. Yeah, it's amazing to me that they can even say that they don't have freedom of speech. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I sure don't get it, Doc. I'll be honest with you. Well, we'll get you back on. We'll talk further about right. this because uh, I want to read your book, and then we'll have you on to talk about it. Okay. Fire in the Streets, uh, Dr. Douglas Goatheights here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good to have you on this morning. Thanks for fighting the good fight, Doctor. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Bye-bye now. Dr. Douglas Grotheis here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Again, that book is out by Salem, Full to, full uh, Transparency. That is a company. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. That we all, that we, we're all part Thank of you. this, and we just uh, we just let the doctor go. Good to have, have him with us today. So, again, we'll have him back uh, in the near future again since uh, Salem, the same st- a company that owns this radio station, which I didn't know until, you know, three minutes, four minutes into the interview that uh, he had a new book out. I didn't even know that I had been approached for him to talk about CRT. Uh, I want to talk about his book now in the future because there's a lot of things in that book that I think that uh, goes along with what you want to talk about, what I like to talk about, and that is uh, this is the the battle of the future of America uh, that we're having right now and is as far as concerning the differences in thought going on right now versus the difference in thought when I was in in high school uh, I can't tell you how much difference there is I remember when I was in high school I was uh, you know standing up for the people out in Berkeley you know the, the left was yelling about uh, about freedom of speech and making sure that the government would was allowing them to be freely talking. Now it's the people like in Berkeley on the uh, on the left that's telling everybody you can have freedom of speech as long as you parrot what we say. That's exactly. It's just it's like flipping the coin for the, uh, the the political thought of this uh, of this nation the ideology. So we got a lot more to talk about about this and it is uh, it's going to be something that's going to play out in the election as well coming in November. Uh, although I'm going to tell you the the two main things that everybody's concerned about in the election in November inflation and inflation. Inflation gas prices oh they've come down a little bit but you're paying a whole lot more than you used to pay and they could have they didn't have to go up as high as they did it's what the president did that made them forced them up now they've come down but how they what he's putting out the 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 reserve petroleum reserves that's not what it was for that's for when uh, somebody attacks us incredible again i remind you pogo and we've met the enemy and he is us. 
So Dave Ellswick Show, we'll be back here in a, uh, right after the news, and we'll be talking to Congressman Hill uh, on uh, District 2 matters, and then we'll talk with uh, uh, Congressman Westerman about uh, District 4. We'll see what they have to say about Pelosi's trip and a whole lot more. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, don't go anywhere. I'm not. As we wait for our phone call from uh, Congressman Hill, because he'll be calling in any moment now, uh, wanted to tell you the story in the Christian Post said that a University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill professor led an excavation team in the lower Galilee region where the team of specialists and students found nearly 1,600 year old mosaics in an ancient Jewish synagogue. Now what's big about it? I mean it's just history, right? Just Who cares, you know? Well here's the key. Uh, the mosaics, uh, they said, showed uh, the uh, f- events that were in Judges chapter 4, where the prophetess uh, and Judge Deborah and military commander Barak led the Israelites in a victory over the Canaanites. And uh, this was a, a real big deal because it's. It's historical proof. You know, that everybody wants to say, I got to see it with my own two eyes. Well, here it is. It's right there in front of you again. Um, I got a friend that lives over in Israel, and, and he uh, says, Dave, you got to come. And it's one of my bucket list things. I really want to go over to the Holy Lands and, and see him because he said, you can stick a spade in any uh, area of ground in Israel and find history. And I, I think this is pretty cool. So they've got proof that Deborah really did exist. You know, a lot of the stuff that, uh, you know, there's, there's people who don't even believe Jesus existed as a historical per, uh, person. Uh, and they said, well, there's, there's, there's really not this or there's not that. Some things have shown up in the past couple of years that show that he was a historical person. However, there's a lot of things that we take verbatim as being the truth that there's no artifacts or anything about it at all. Zip, nada. And people uh, say, well, that's happened, and they don't know if it really happened or it didn't happen. Just uh, just being honest with you about that and uh, something you got to keep in mind. All right, we're going to talk to the congressman. Congressman French Hill is with us. He's up, in, up there in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, dealing with the crazies on the left every day. I don't know how he keeps his keeps his uh, sanity, having to deal with a lot of the things that they do. But today, I got to tell you, uh, Congressman, I actually said something nice about the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, because I'm I'm pleased that she did what she did going to Taiwan. How do you feel about that? Dave, I agree. I told uh, the media someday last week, I said, I support the speaker going to Taiwan. I would support any member of Congress that wants to go to Taiwan uh, because they are an important economic and trade ally of the United States. And they are an amazing democracy in the heart of Asia. Yeah. Yeah, they really, they really are. I mean, and and they're not that far from China. China says they still own them, right? Yeah, I mean, this goes back to how do we interpret the famous 1979 Taiwan 
Relations Act that was enacted by Congress, and it basically says that we support, at some point in the future, Taiwan becoming part of China if it's done peacefully and basically, you know, bilaterally, meaning both sides want to do that. So it rejects specifically any military threats to Taiwan. It pledges America's support to help Taiwan develop. And so this is China twisting the facts uh, of what essentially was talked about between our two countries and recognizing China diplomatically. Uh, it's not about them taking Taiwan. Well, and that's the controversy. Now, here's what, here's what we saw over the last few days. We saw the speaker say that uh, she might stop in Taiwan. The president's uh, White House administration had negative, uh, you know, reaction to that. Didn't want her to go. The the Chinese said, "Don't do that. We might shoot you down." Basically, and uh, and, then, and then she went. And what did the Chinese do? Well, they uh, they huffed and they puffed and they couldn't blow anything down. I mean, that's what it came to. There's a whole bunch of saber rattling. They're not going to start a war over this right now. That's not what they want. But they, they wanted to get some kind of a victory in the press, did they not? Yeah, but there's, there's no precedent being set here. This is being this is making a mountain over a molehill. Yeah. Uh, the, the speaker has the right to travel there. Other members of Congress have traveled to Taiwan in the last year. Uh, it's not the preferred uh, position of, of the Communist Party of China, which believes that they are the only China and Taiwan is a subdivision of theirs. All that's what they think. That's right. But it doesn't make any difference. America doesn't recognize that. And we don't acknowledge it. And so that's why Speaker Gingrich went in the 90s. Members go routinely. Senators go routinely. Uh, So I think the foreign ministry spokesman should be fired. Anyone who makes a statement like that that uh, would shoot down uh, a visiting American diplomatic mission to Taiwan, that person needs to be fired. Yeah, that's a a, – Say that that we can that's all agree that top. was overreaction. Yeah, that's just over the top. And look, I thought the Chinese were these master diplomats. You know, five thousand years of great, quiet, strategic planning. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's completely not in keeping with "quote unquote" their preferred diplomatic stance. Well, how do you feel about how the White House initially reacted, and then they backed off when even their own party said, "Hey, Mr. President, sit down, shut up." Yeah, I thought that was dumb, and they did it in a – it's clear the White House National Security Council leaked it, in my view, looking at it. And they blamed, of course, the military by saying, oh, the military suggests you not go. Well, the one thing that is an issue between our countries, we have many, many things, but we we are trying to get China to not financially back Russia more than they already are, and that's obviously a touchy topic. So that is a key issue between the two countries right now, in addition to all the other topics. Yeah. So you think that we've heard the last of this, or uh, how, how do the Democrats try to use this to their case? Are they going to talk about, see, we're tough on the commies? 
Well, you have to remember, Nancy Pelosi uh, refused to join a joint select committee on China with Kevin McCarthy about 18 months ago Mm -hmm. because she didn't want to give Trump any additional credit for turning uh, our diplomatic approach to China. And this is just her, in my my view, kind of playing catch-up. Uh, that the Democratic Party has gotten uh, wrong on China, and she's trying to change that message given the Hunter-Biden connection, Biden's weakness there, uh, and Biden potentially changing the Trump policies on China. So that's I think there's politics here, but also you have to remember Nancy Pelosi, since she was elected to Congress, has been a passionate uh, defender of religious liberty inside uh, China. She even went, I think, as a freshman to visit Tiananmen Square right after it happened. Yeah, they, she, out, she, helped hang, she helped hang a banner at yeah, that time. she's an outspoken supporter of the Tibetans, so she's got street cred when it comes to religious liberty in China. All right. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back and finish up our conversation. Uh, these northern uh, mayors are not happy with uh, Governor Abbott of Texas and Governor <laughs> Abbott looking at him saying, you know, hypocrites and empty tombs. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. uh, about all of this? So we're going to talk about uh, what's going on on the border and talk about that with the congressman. Congressman French Hill is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're dealing with the issues that uh, you're hearing about. And, we'll, hey, I, hadn't fought, I haven't forgotten about inflation that is the number one thing. It's the economy, stupid. I even know that. Biden might not know it, but I know it. We're going to talk about it when we come back with congressman as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And if you just joined us, we're talking with the congressman from District 2. That, of course, is French Hill. And, uh, Congressman, let's talk about immigration. Uh, it, it stays in the news. It should stay in the news. People need to know that the border is not closed. It is wide open. People are pouring across our border, illegals, every day. And Governor Abbott down in Texas is letting the northeast states and some of the cities up there get a little taste of what it's like. They get a couple hundred uh, illegals in, and you think the world was coming to an end. Yeah, I think it's a great illustration, Dave, that every state is now a border state. No one is exempt from the drug crisis and overwhelming amount of fentanyl coming across the border. Nobody is exempt from the 200,000 of people a week that are encountered, and about half of those come on into the U.S. under some government program. And we don't even know who is in the country that is, quote, a gotaway, which is somewhere they estimate around a half a million people seen on camera but never interdicted by state or local police. And so I think Greg Abbott is simply illustrating to these Northeast mayors, particularly the mayor in Washington, D.C., hey, here's what our towns on the border deal with every single minute of every single day in the Biden administration. Yeah, well, you have a great uh, statement by the governor where he said, yeah, you get 100 people to understand something. We deal with that and more every day on the border. We're talking thousands, and this is why border states, even in the Rio Grande Valley, are electing Republican mayors. I think they're going to elect Republican members of Congress 
uh, this year. This is a first in just generations because it's a very traditional Democratic area. But people are sick and tired of the incompetence of the administration in this way. And, you know, it's worse than incompetence, uh, Dave, as illustrated by Mayorkas, which you and I have talked about. He needs to be fired, needs to resign. It's just a joke. But here's what's worse, I think is the, the parent feeling that the administration doesn't care one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Why? They come up to the Hill and say everything's working fine. We have operational control. And so the cynicism factor there is what really, I think, ruins uh, the situation in the atmosphere. It, if we weren't dealing with Ukraine right now and 9% inflation, this would be every day on every front page in Washington in a fight over trying to regain control of the border. And it's just been pushed off that because of, of the war and uh, the, how inflation is hurting every one of our families. Yeah, and, and even the Ukraine battle has moved to page two. Inflation, though, has not. It is nope. still on page one. It's going to stay there. And and we've got an administration that wants to redefine words and terms so that they can say that there's not a recession going on in this country. Uh, Congressman, how do you deal with a with a administration that just – tends to not even want to deal with the truth well it's like that every day they can't define uh no one can come testify and tell us what a woman is they can't tell us what a recession is they say they've got operational control of the border they say the exit from afghanistan worked just like according to plan I mean, yeah, it's why he has a 30 percent approval rating because of this kind of incompetence and just not acknowledging we got a challenge and let's fix it. And when he proposes a fix, it's the opposite of what you would do. So this week we're debating, watching the Senate debate, this inflation bill mm-hmm. that Joe Biden has potentially signed on to, which is going to raise taxes for American families. Uh, make it harder to uh, fill up your car with gas. Uh, it's just the wrong thing to do. Uh, you don't raise taxes and add regulations and make it harder on people when you're entering a recession. Well, I know that you got a lot on your plate in the House side, but what are you hearing from the Senate side? Is Cinema looking like she's throwing her weight behind this bill? I mean, she's still the monkey wrench that could would could screw this up for the Democrats. Well, exactly. She has been silent. And I can tell you the Democrats are very split on this because in the Manchin-Schumer agreement to raise taxes on everybody, uh, they don't give uh, the so-called SALT deduction any uh, relief. These are New Yorkers and Californians that want their property taxes deductible. And you may remember that Donald Trump, in our Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, we capped that at $10,000 per year. So you get to a family can still deduct their property taxes, their local taxes, up to $10,000 a year. Well, the New Yorkers went nuts. And so big, high-tax blue states have not gotten the relief they demand in this bill. So there's some House Democrats that are even opposed to the Schumer mansion compromise. So I hope cinema puts a stake in it and that we stop talking about spending uh, more money and this issue and we move forward 
uh, to try to get this economy recovered because this bill will not help the recovery. It will hurt manufacturing. It will raise taxes on on families, and it takes us in the wrong direction. All right, we got two minutes left, so let me ask one final question. Again, it's something that happened in the Senate, the vote yesterday about uh, helping uh, vets that have been affected by burn pits and things of that nature here in the last few years. Your thoughts on that? Well, I supported uh, this legislation in the House. Uh, The Senate did, I think, make a mistake. Uh, by insisting that it be in mandatory spending. That's why a lot of my colleagues voted against it. This is a commitment we've worked on for years to provide relief to vets who have toxic exposure to burn pits and have had a, a very debilitating disease ever since. What the senators were trying to do is just make some final reforms to it uh, before it signed into law. So I'm, I'm glad the bill's moving forward. I hope they did make some reforms. I haven't read today what those might be. Uh, but uh, our veterans deserve this support after uh, these exposures. Yeah, I heard that the Democrats tried to slip a poison b- a pill in there dealing with uh, Green New Deal spending. But perhaps that was pulled back. I haven't read anything about it today, but we'll we'll see. But I agree with you. It's good legislation that needs to be taken care of for our uh, our veterans. All right, Congressman, you're out Thanks, of the hot Dave. seat. Go back and see get ya. go back and have a good day. We appreciate you. Good deal right. with the crazies. We appreciate you here on the Dave Ellswick show. Look, he's got to deal with, you know, Pelosi and, and the weirdos over there with AOC and all of them guys every day. Yeah, when you go to work uh, in the house, you got to be walking into there and going, "Holy cow! What a bunch of you know idiots!" Anyway, we'll take a break. We've got Bill O'Reilly coming up. We'll find out what he's got to say, and then we we'll come back and we'll talk to Congressman Westerman on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. I really didn't go anywhere. Basically, sitting here. I did go to the break room, fill up my coffee cup, and I got a blueberry donut that happened to be sitting there. There's blueberry donuts down there, Aaron, if you want one. Uh, Don't forget about Pat Davis and what he can do for you as far as health insurance is concerned. Reduce co-pays. In fact, get rid of them completely. Reduce your deductibles. I mean, what good is it to have a great insurance policy that maybe you're paying $500 a month for, plus the subsidy that you're given from the government when your uh, deductible is $8,000 that you got to take out of your pocket first before you ever scratch the surf- surface of your uh, your health care policy. Uh, talk to Pat Davis. He'll help you be able to get around all of those type of things. Save up to 50% on your health insurance. Uh, if you're a self-employed person, this is the program for you. It's going to save you a lot of money. And small group policies. You're a business owner. You like to give health care to your employees because it gives you an advantage over getting some of the great people that are out there and available to you. Well, talk to Pat Davis. He'll save you money. So maybe you can give him a little bigger policy than you have in the past. Call him at 501-605-6935 or visit him at yourhealthplanman.com. That's yourhealthplanman. That's one word, uh, dot com. So uh, you talk to Pat. He'll save you He'll save you some greenbacks. You want to do that. All right. 
I told you Congressman Westerman will be with us. He is here. He has joined us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, the big uh, story right now, Congressman Pelosi went to Taiwan. I'm glad she did. I Believe it or not, I actually had very positive words to say for her when I started my show today. Uh but what does this what does this do? I mean, in in the entirety of our Chinese relations, is this our way of, of finally being able to say to, to the CCP, "Hey, look, stay in your lane. Quit, quit trying to get over in our lane." Yeah, and Dave, whoever thought you would say I started the show with kind words about Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, I have to admit that that it, it was different. But you know what? You got to give the devil their due. Yeah, and I'm the same way. I think she did what she uh, – she actually got in a position where I don't think, think she had an option other than uh, going to Taiwan. I think it would have been disastrous had she not gone. Yes. It would have sent a message to uh, to China that, um, you know, basically go, go take Taiwan like you did Hong Kong, like Putin's doing Ukraine. So uh, I think it's extremely important that she went. I'm glad that she went, and I, I give her uh, kudos for that as well. Um, you know, she uh, when when you look at her district, she's got a lot of uh, Asian Americans in her district that have uh, real strong feelings towards Taiwan and against uh, communist China. So you, you you look at her as a speaker and on a national level, but even from the district that she represents, even though it's ultra liberal, um, she's got constituents there that probably um, you know increase the pressure for her to to even plan to go on that trip. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, she, she went to Tinian Square and uh, like her second term in Congress and uh, pulled off a little protest there. So she's uh, um, she, she's got a little backbone when it comes to communist China. Now, I don't know how that plays in with what the rest of the Democrat Party is doing with, with China. I think, uh, I think Biden's a little perturbed that she uh, got in the situation where she needed to make that trip but I'm glad somebody did you know I went there a few years ago and nobody cared <laughs> what does that say congressman <laughs> uh, maybe maybe because I'm not the speaker yeah but, maybe uh, I, it was the uh, the first uh, female president I guess to this point the only female president of Taiwan was elected and I was on the uh, the, the two-person delegation to go there is the official party and congratulate her. Now, I'm sure the, the Chinese Communist Party has it well documented that I've, I've been there, and uh, I know they're not pleased about that, but it, it didn't make the news. Yeah, well, if you ever try to go to mainland China, it may pop up when you get it get there and they look at your passport. You know, I've had uh, many, many opportunities to go to China, and I've rejected all of them. I don't, uh, I don't care to go there. Well, why go to some place that's controlled by the CCP? They're our enemy. They're not our friend. I wish people would get that in their heads. They're not our friends. That's, you know, I, I appreciate that uh, former President Nixon and, and Kissinger opened, uh, you know, the the bamboo curtain, so to speak, to, to, to do, uh, you know, all kinds of things uh financially with the the Chinese uh, government, but the bottom line is they are not our friends. No, and they're uh, they're sucking the wealth out of this country, too, and we just stand by and let them do it. So uh, we've, we've got to take a, 
a harder line with them, uh, and not necessarily militarily, but economically, mm-hmm. and with trade partners. And we, uh, it, it's almost like when when Nixon went there, it was like some project that we we're going to make China profitable, and we've uh, we've overexceeded expectations. Yeah, it's it. You know, I was a big supporter that maybe if China became more. Uh, fundamentally capitalist that they maybe the the communist party would morph into something a little bit more likable but uh, over the last 20 years i've seen that that has not in any way shape or form happened and uh, when when you look at 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 china there there are most there are most dangerous enemy are they not yeah i mean um yeah, they they haven't shown the uh, the aggression like uh, Russia has and other um, rogue nations have in the past. But they're definitely uh, you know the second largest economy in the world. They've got a huge military. They're very high tech. Uh, they've stolen a lot of our stuff, uh, which makes us have to uh, continue to um, to to develop new technology and and stay ahead of the curve. I I read something one time where China has um, the equivalent of what we would call a merit scholar, Mm -hmm. more more merit scholars than we have high school graduates. Wow. And it's just such a a large country. Well, with with that in, in, you know, in, in thought process, let's talk about one thing that does worry me, and that is China coming to the United States and buying up all this land. If the Republicans do win the House and the Senate back, do you see some legislation being passed to try to slow that down, if not completely stop it? I think I would definitely support legislation like that. And I know there's been bills floating around the House, but I wish that states would stop that now. I think uh, state legislatures and governors have the ability to stop that from happening uh, in their states uh, currently. Uh, but if it requires federal action, um, you know, I'm certainly in support of that. And I know there's legislation floating around to, to make it happen, whether it can get the bipartisan support and get signed by this current president. Only time will tell. All right, we got to get a break in. Let me uh, do that if you'll let me, Congressman, and I'll be back with you. Let's talk about inflation when I return, because you know what? That's the story that never leaves the front page. Inflation, inflation, inflation. Go all the way back to the 90s when the Clinton administration said, it's the economy, stupid. So uh, we will talk about that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our guest, Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman from District 4 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He makes himself available to us every Wednesday uh, to talk about the issues that are on the front page of, of uh, your Facebook or on your, uh, your phone. Or if you still read the newspaper on the newspaper as well. Don't forget about East End Towing, what they can do for you. They want you, first of all, to remember if you see somebody out on the side of the road, you see those yellow lights flashing, move to the far side of the road from those yellow lights and and make it safe for the people who are doing their job out on the road. Keep those guys safe. And you can do that just by giving them a little bit more room. And remember that no matter the situation, East End Towing can handle it, and they're ready with their answers to help you. 
All you have to do is call them. East End Towing, 501-888-8849. Again, East End Towing, 501-888-8849. We're down to just uh, about nine minutes left with Congressman. Let's talk a little bit about inflation, uh, Congressman. Uh, I'm assuming that the Biden administration knows the definition of inflation, although they don't know the definition of a recession. Uh, They don't know what a woman is, and they don't know a lot of other definitions that are out there now. So let's just talk real quickly here. You know, how do you deal with a administration who tries to change definitions or even, you know, (laughs) says we don't even know what the definition of something is? Well, Dave, that's a strategy of of the left. It's actually a strategy of of communist to uh, change the lexicon, and and it's and it's really, if you really want to get to the bottom of it, it's a strategy from the devil to uh, say this isn't what it what it is, and to change the definition. It's something that's prevalent throughout our society, and it's becoming the norm that if you don't like something, you just change the definition of it. You change the lexicon, then you're playing off of a uh, a different uh, set of rules when you change the definitions, but words have meanings, and we have to stick to those meanings, and we can't be uh, changing them. This is very dangerous. It uh, it leads down a path that that we really don't want to go. So we we kind of laugh about it and think, well, you know, a recession's always been two quarters of negative growth, and all of a sudden they're with a straight face, and well, we're really not in a recession now, or we all know. You know what a woman is, but they can't define what a what a woman is. Yeah, I'm not and a biologist, know. right? Yeah, yeah. It's just, and, and that is a very very slippery slope, and it's something that we have to push back on, and we can't just let them uh, continually do this and think, well, they're just they're just crazy. They don't know they know what they're doing. They're they're intentionally trying to change um, uh, the the dictionary or the lexicon and and make words have different meanings that they've, they've never had, and it plays into their political narrative. Yeah, that's the, that's the whole thing for everybody to understand, that they're crazy like a fox, basically. I mean, they know what they're doing yeah. as far as this is, is all concerned. All right, so inflation was 9.2. The PPI was 10.3. It was up over a point. Uh, I kind of look at that, and it tells me that inflation – the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, is is going to uh, continue to go up. Uh, do you agree with that assessment, or do you do you see different things that I'm not seeing? Well, I don't see anything that would change that, and especially energy, which is kind of foundational to the the economy and to what happens. And there's no indicators that uh, we're going to solve the energy supply problem anytime soon. So I think that means uh, inflation is going to continue to grow. I think we're going to have food shortages, uh, and that's going to cause more more strain on on food and and price increases there. And you know, when you get down to it, energy and food are two very very critical uh, parts of our life. So that's going to push um, the cost of other things up as well. Yeah, something that I saw this morning uh, that's concerning is that the food banks are kind of getting hit from both sides on this. One, 
more people are showing up to use the food bank, but two, less people are able to make the necessary uh, donations to the food banks because they don't have the money. Yeah, that's a that's a real problem, and uh, you know it's it's not nearly as bad here in the United States as it is in other parts of the world, where they're probably going to have some famine in the near future mm-hmm. uh, because of food shortages. And it's uh, it's not just decreased agriculture production. It's obviously what's happening in in Russia and Ukraine, where they grow so much. Uh, uh, wheat and grain there. All right. Last two questions for you. Of course, you have your degree in forestry. You're the only uh, congressman that has a degree in that particular subject. If you guys take the House, you're going to be over natural resources on that committee. Uh, When you look out at this huge fire that's going on out in California right now, if you were head of natural resources, what would you be trying to do right now to get that to help them be, uh, be able to get that under control? Well, right now we've got to have early detection and put the fires out immediately. And then we've got to uh, do forest management when it's not uh, in, in fire. we got to do it year-round, but when we're not putting out fires, the Forest Service employees need to be doing forest management and thinning the forest. I'm actually in, in Montana today, in eastern Montana. We're going to visit some mining operations and look at some of the best resources we got. And uh, you can you can smell a little smoke in the air out here. So uh, it's, uh, it's not just California that's on fire. Hmm. Okay, so, you know, I can't wait to see you sitting up there with the gavel. You know that, Congressman. I can't wait to see you with the gavel. Maybe we'll get some common sense action out there. Well, I'm I'm ready to be in that spot, not just so I can have a gavel, but that means that Republicans are in control and the nonsense stops and we start doing oversight and we start passing bills that actually help the American people and help relieve this energy crisis. And we put pressure on the administration to do the right thing. You know, we're still going to have to deal with them, and you've still got to deal with a, a, uh, a Senate, whether it's Republican or Democrat controlled, it still takes 60 votes to do most things in the Senate. But we can definitely um, put a better message out. I got you. Well, we'll let you get to work. You're out there in Montana. You go take care of what you're doing. Find out what the miners are saying and how we can circumvent the Chinese on that as well. And we'll talk to you next Wednesday. All right, Dave. Have a great day. All right. Bye bye now. Yeah. Okay. There you go. (laughs) He was on the phone. You hear him? Get in the truck. We let the let the Congress get Congressman get back to business, and and keep in mind we take the the House, and when I say we, we're talking about the, con- the conservatives, the Republicans, take the House. He's going to be the head of the Natural Resources Committee in the House, and that's why I said he'll have to gavel for that. And some of the things that he's been saying about what he wants to bring to the public uh, as far as information goes he'll be able to uh, to do that he'll be able to continue uh, we won't be worrying about you can't have more than two tigers at your house okay and that that's not something that they'll be talking about all right uh, coming up at nine o'clock when i come back uh, i'll be uh, talking to jimmy caven he's my uh, foi guy we're going to talk about uh, how much uh, you know 
people who are superintendents should make uh, that are over schools. Do you think $240,000 is a little stiff? I do. And there's a there's a particular uh, superintendent that's out what he's making. That's what his contract says. If you happen to live in Cabot, you might be wanting to listen to that. It might be an eye-opener for you. we got that coming up at 9 o'clock. Uh, tomorrow at 9 o'clock, uh, Jeremy Hopendale will be with us from Acre. Now, over at UCA, they are our uh, conservative uh, econ people, and they're going to be on, and we're going to talk uh, in depth about what is a recession and talking about this Manchin-Schumer bill that's out there, this deficit uh, reduction bill that they or inflation-stopping bill that they're going to have. That's all coming up. But uh, right now, we're going to talk about your money. That's coming up next here on The Answer. All right, let's get to the final hour of a uh, Wednesday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. It's hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. It's uh, Wednesday, and we're closer to Friday than we were on Monday. And uh, I want to tell you why I'm doing the show that I'm doing today. Uh, My daughter graduated from Cabot a couple I don't know. Now, a lot of water has gone under the bridge Uh, six, seven years ago. And uh, I still have a grandchild, whom I'm not going to say who it is, uh, who still goes to school there. I've got two other grandchildren uh, that, uh, in fact, three other grandchildren that graduated in Cabot. I've lived in Cabot now for 20 years. And, uh, you know, it's my home. It's where I've, I've lived for the longest in my lifetime other than uh, northwest Indiana where I was born and raised. I lived there for 27 years. So I uh, haven't lived any place else that long. But in radio, that means you travel a lot when you're in radio. Something came to my attention uh, a couple of weeks ago when I had on uh, Mary Bentley, who is a state uh, legislature, uh, legislator. She's from the, uh, the the House side. And she's out there in the Perryville area. And uh, we were talking about education. And she made this sta- And I was talking specifically about teachers' races. And I said, Mary, I keep hearing the teachers complain that they're not getting enough money. But correct me if I'm wrong hasn't the republic haven't the republicans since about 2010 been giving pay raises every two years and she says oh that's that's right dave you know they we've been given pay raises but i found out and this just recently evidently that the money was given to the schools to to give to the teachers and it never made its way to the teachers she says i've voted for every pay raise that they've uh, that they've passed but it's up to the superintendents to give the, the teachers a, a raise because of some way that the matrix is set up. And I don't even understand that completely, to be honest with you. I don't know whether I got to take the blue pill or the red <laughs> pill. All right. I, I just know the teachers are getting screwed in this deal. And uh, that's why that's going to be changed from what I understand in the next legislative session, there is going to be a line item in the matrix that says if the, the, the legislature, legislature is going to give X amount of dollars to the teachers or a, a 5% raise or whatever, the superintendents have to give that, the teachers that raise. And from what I'm 
understanding, superintendents have been taking some of that money and sweeping it into their own pile and the pile of, uh, uh, of people who work under them is, is what they've been doing. That's what I understand. So I started thinking about, well, how much does a superintendent make in the state of Arkansas on an average? And I thought, I wonder what Tony Thurman makes. You know, he's the superintendent there in Cabot. And I live in Cabot, so why shouldn't I look at what's going on in Cabot? So this guy that's sitting, you're watching on, if you're watching on Facebook, the guy that's sitting across from me, Jimmy Cabot, all right? He's the FOI king. That's what I call him, all right? He goes in and he, he uh, under the law, uh, can get all the, 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 the necessary documents of uh, what a person's being paid, how they're being paid, why they're being paid, basically just about everything. Because there's tra- – thanks to Robert Steinbach, my good friend. Yes. Uh, they, they, we have a, a lot more transparency in this state than they have in other states. So you can know this stuff. And so pour yourself a cup of coffee. Or you might want to pull yourself a stiff one, in fact, and and listen to the story that's been, you know, been dug up here about what the superintendent in the Cabot School District has been paid. And then I'm going to give you some figures about reading skills uh, in in the state mm-hmm. or not in the state, in, in the city of Cabot. And I want to know why the school board is giving raises to the superintendent when, in fact, there's areas within our school system where only 40% or less of the kids can read at grade level. I want to know why you're giving somebody a raise. I wouldn't get a raise here. I'll tell you that. That wouldn't happen. I wouldn't give Aaron, my producer, uh, a raise if he was pushing the wrong buttons all the time. And that's what it kind of sounds like to me. Either that or the school board's pushing the wrong buttons, and they've got the wrong uh, curriculums and things that they're using with the kids. I'll find that out. I'm running for school board. Everybody needs to know that. I'm running for school board in Cabot. I'll turn in my signatures like i got to turn in, and I'll be on the ballot. And uh, the only thing that I will... I will promise to everybody is that I will fight for your right to free speech at school board meetings. I find that reprehensible, the way they do it right now. 100%. And and I will work against that. So, Jimmy, I I asked you to look into this about three weeks ago. You've gotten a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've got uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of shocking stuff. Um, How I actually kind of got on this is back in – uh, April, I was working on some other stuff with the school district um, on Sheriff John Staley, who was using their facilities to do campaign ads and functions, which is against the law. So I started doing, I brought that to Tony Thurman's attention. And, and what basically instinct took me to was the way he handled it and it was response. I thought, well, you know, something doesn't seem right, so I FOI'd his contract. All right, I got it in April, and I thought, okay, it's for $244,000 a year. That's for the 2021-2022 school year. All right, now let me just stop sure. you right there. Let me say to you on the radio right now, I find that reprehensible. Yeah, yeah I agree. 244 <laughs> Right, but that's that's actually not well, the real figure. Well, we're going to talk about that, all right? $244,000, mm-hmm. all right? And I... 
Look, I, I understand that he does an important job, but not $244,000 worth of a job, no. in, in my opinion. No. And especially when you have teachers that are making some of the money that they're making, which is ridiculous. Yes. So how about we, as a school board, start spreading that money around to the, the have-nots a little bit? Try giving a little to the bus drivers. Yeah. Right? I agree. <laughs> it, uh, so when I did that, I got off on some other stuff, and then I kept seeing – the way things were going down there, and instincts said, you know, I really need to dig into this. So on uh, June 20th, IFOI'd all payments made to Tony Thurman because just because you see what his salary is on the contract doesn't mean that's all he's getting paid. All right. With that being said, if he's being paid more than what his salary is, the people of Cabot should know what that is, right? That's public record, and they should know. They okay. should be informed All right. of this. So th- that, that's the law. Yes. Okay. That's the transparency, except that it's not so transparent. That's not, it's muddy water down there. Okay. And, uh, and by law, I mean, they weren't happy about giving me this stuff, but by law, they had no choice. And so what I found when that I got... That hasn't stopped them before, though. No, that's true. And so I'd <laughs> FOI'd all payments for the previous three years. And so what I found was pretty shocking, so I delved in even more. Okay? So uh, I'll start with reimbursements and save the the big numbers for after that. So what I found on reimbursements, okay, I found that... Take your shot right now, Okay. Yeah. Do that or take a big gulp of of uh, of coffee or take that shot that you pour. Yeah, this is this is uh outrageous. I, I originally did for 3 years so I found he'd been reimbursed for $18,000 for expenses for fuel uh for his maintenance on his vehicle and his vehicle insurance. Does it say anything about that in his contract? No. Okay. It doesn't say anything about that in his contract. Uh, so I dug into that, and so I went back even further. And so I went back and said, okay, now give me all payments since he became superintendent. Wow. So from 2011 through June of 2022, he has reimbursed himself. And I'll tell you why about me saying that he reimbursed himself. He has reimbursed himself taxpayer money $50,433.03 in just gas. That comes up to a little over $4,800 a year in fuel. Okay. Wow. For one person? (laughs) Even with the increase, I'm not paying $4,800 a year. No. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, for vehicle service since 2011, oil changes, tire rotations, things like that, I've got all the receipts, and I've got all the fuel receipts, $4,052.63. And the insurance premiums through Farm Bureau, which is where he has his truck insured, one vehicle, $13,825.03. Some of his quarterly premiums, or over $1,400. Those are quarterly premiums for one vehicle. Okay, so for three months. Yes. Or uh-huh. for, for and, yeah. and so And so I went, wow. So then I started looking at the receipts on his field comes going, how do you do that? Well, 
I, you know, he can't be using that much gas because on you'll see on the receipts on one day he will fill up his tank. Two days later, fill it up again. A day later, there's more gas. Three days later, fill up again. Okay, how many tanks are you filling up at taxpayer expense? Yeah, because the question is, look, as a taxpayer, if we are going to let him fill up on our dime, I don't mind if he's the one filling up, if we've agreed to that. However, if he's got other members of his family or whatever, I don't want to have to pay for their fill-ups. Exactly. And what's what on these receipts and everything I have, they provide no justification. Usually when you have an expenditure for a reimbursement, you go, hey, I need to be reimbursed this amount, and here's my receipt. But then you also go, why? Mm-hmm. Well, there's no explanation. So there's no explanation of why he's buying gas so much at that time. Okay? Like, I, like I have to go to the, uh, the capital you know, three times a week because. Right. All right. Right. You should get that. Now, I want everybody to understand something. All of this money and reimbursements, okay, first of all, he creates, I've got all the purchase orders. He creates the purchase orders. Then he authorizes his own reimbursements. He signs to reimburse himself. The CFO doesn't do that? No, every one of the purchase orders are generated by him, and the authorization signature is himself. He is authorizing reimbursement to himself. That's a terrible accounting procedure. Yeah, that sounds to me like you're asking for problems. Yes. And what everybody needs to understand is as far as the reimbursements, and the the reimbursements are not the big numbers yet. The big numbers are coming, even though they're pretty shocking, is the reimbursements are tax-free. He's not getting taxed on that. So basically, the taxpayer is buying his gas, paying his uh, car insurance, paying for his vehicle maintenance. He's getting reimbursed for it. Taxpayers reimbursed him for it. He doesn't have to pay income tax on that. But the reality is, that's income. Yeah. That's free money. And uh, and he is getting every dime of it and approving it himself. So then I looked at payroll. That's what's crazy. He's approving it himself. Yes. And, and there's you no there's no business in the world that would do that. Well, especially a government entity. There's no bit in in uh, a government entity would be. I would just um, uh, pull a government agency. Let's just say the governor's office. Say the governor wants reimbursed for this. Okay. All right, the governor's not going to fill out his own purchase order and authorize it. The governor's going to send it through his finance department. And then the head of finance will go through it and sign off on it, which is the way it should be. It's a check and balances. Mm-hmm. Or the head of finance they may say, no, nah, we can't reimburse you for that. That's not a reimbursement. That's correct. Expense. That's the way it should happen. Should. Exactly. And so that's shocking, but now the payroll. All right, hold it. Okay. All right, we'll take up payroll. When we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show, uh, I decided to take a look at the superintendent of the school district that I'm involved in to start looking at what superintendents are making in the state of Arkansas when teachers are looking for a pay increase and the superintendents haven't been giving it to them. And let me just tell you, when we get into January and the state legislature is together again, I want to see all this come out. I really, really do. You need to know the truth about all this. A lot of these uh, superintendents got a sweetheart deal, folks. They really do. Don't forget about Hillcrest designer jewelry, Eric Coleman. Uh, Forty years and more as a jeweler. 
at 3000 Cavanaugh Suite E up there in, here in Little Rock. You can go visit him. He does it all for you. Highest quality jewelry that you can see in the cases. They're right there for you to, to take a look at it, the display cases, and that's what you want to buy. You can buy it. If you're looking for unique creations, Eric can create it for you. I've told you a million times he's an artisan. He does all of that stuff. He has got a real eye for jewelry. He will talk to you. If you want to buy a ring, uh, let's just say you want to do an engagement ring. We'll just do that. Uh, he's going to talk to you about the woman that you want to marry. And he's going to find out uh, what you want for that person, what she wants in that that ring, and he'll make sure that he works all that in. If you're going to buy wedding bands, know that you can't do any better than go to Eric Coleman over at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry because he's going to save you money. You go to some of these other jewelry stores that start with uh, a letter, and I'm going to tell you, you're going to pay out the nose. Uh, does a estate jewelry for you? You want to know what... Uh, all the jewelry was that your grandmother gave you he'll tell you how much it is and he'll work out a deal if you want to sell it he'll buy it from you if you want to just uh, buy some stuff that's in the display cases he'll work that out with you and uh, he'll give you a little extra money to do that as well and then the bottom line repair cleanings polishing all of that he does all of it he's your one-stop jeweler that's Eric Coleman, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh, Suite E, open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. In the 23 years I've been here, I think there's been three times that I've had him on the show that uh, that I do. And uh, each time, uh, he's been forthcoming and open and talked about it. The last time that he and I talked was uh, there was a female principal over at the high school and uh, there was a girl that had come to school in her daddy's pickup truck and had a 12-pack of beer in the back of it, and somebody just turned her in. Uh, didn't have, didn't say who they were or anything. They just called in and said, we got a problem here, basically, and, and, and told somebody, and they, they were going to throw that girl out of school, and she had a very logical reason why it was back there. Daddy had put it back there, and she didn't know it. Sure. So bottom line was is that... Uh, I thought Tony did a good job of dealing with that. That person's not the principal any longer, and uh, that policy went away. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad to say that that happened. So I have no, I have no problem. But I can't argue with numbers. You know, I'm not one of those people that says, you know, uh, you know figures don't lie, but liars figure. I, do, I believe that. And so you've got to go in and look at this stuff and see what's going on. Now, you've talked about car allowance. You've talked about gas allowances. You've talked about, you know, taking the car in and getting his car, taking it in and getting uh, oil changes and things of that nature, and uh, the uh, the insurance. And these numbers don't add up, to be honest, if no. you look at them. No. I mean, he, the numbers are there. They, well, they add up, but, but they're gotta, just outrageous. Yeah, yeah you got to look at them and say, <laughs> well, why are the numbers this way? And then there's more. Yes, sir. And, and, and to your point, I think it's good that, that I bring up right now. I want people to know I didn't create these numbers. Yeah, you didn't make them up. No, sir. These are the district's numbers. They're not mine. You asked for them. <laughs> they had to supply them. Yes. And so I'm reporting their numbers. Okay. And so when I started looking at payroll, because you can say, okay, makes 244 a year. 
Well, does he or doesn't? So let's look at payroll. So I FOI'd all that. And if you go through payroll, it can be a little bit of a challenge because you have to decipher. Under pay code 001 uh, each month, he got paid uh, the amount that would, in a 21-22 school year, the amount that would justify 244000 The base salary. Yes, sir. On that same pay code, though, there's a separate line for $1,000. So he was getting another $1,000 a pay period, which is a month. Does it say what for? No. Okay. And that was $12,000. So then you look in July, under pay code 020, different pay code, he got a check for a payment for $10,000. Okay. So then you go forward and you say, okay. So then in June of uh, uh, June of that year, uh, under pay code uh, uh, 052, he got a payment for $14,800.20. going, okay. Okay, so that's $28,000 yeah. right so there. So then we go, yeah, zero, code 061, payment of $5,000. So, so I'm looking at all this, and I'm going, okay, that's way more than two hundred forty-four thousand. All right, okay. okay. Right there, we've got to get news for you. We'll do news, and then Jimmy and I will be back with more figures for you, and uh, get your pencil and paper out. You want to add these all up yourself. Here's your news. All right, we've got a, about another twenty minutes here, and we got plenty of numbers still to bring to you. And I know that that gets into the weeds, but you need to know all of this. I'm just telling you, and I'm telling you, if it's this way in Cabot. It's happening in just about every school system across the state. They're covering numbers. And, uh, and maybe more so in others like, like Cabot. Now. And, uh, the, now, here's the shocker, okay? I told you about the numbers in the pay code. So, okay, Correct. Okay. All right. So, so what they have on the website is, is, is he made 200, he's making $244,000, which is absolutely false. In 2021-2022 school year, he made... I will give you the figure, $286,257. That's a lot more than 244000 Yeah. And so when I saw that, I went, wow. So then I went back a few more years. So I'm getting this stuff from several years back. So then I went to him and I said, okay, now through the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act, I want to know all the documentations pertaining to all these different pay codes. Okay, so I can figure out what we're getting paid because for. Because now we want to know why are you paying him these X amount of yes, dollars. Yes, exactly. Now we know they are, so now we want to find out why. So they get pretty defensive, and they said, okay, well, you know, that's in policy 2.2 superintendent com- compensation, you know, says this, this, and this. And so what they, and I will tell everybody what people bank on is when they give you answers like that, you just say, oh, okay, well, there's, you know, you move on. There's no. a policy, but they might not even know what the policy is. Yes. So I say, okay. So I look at policy 2.2. Policy 2.2 does not account for any of this. Okay. So, so then what does 2.2 say? Let, basically. I know you got it here. Yeah. Basically 2.2 is salary employment benefits of the superintendent shall be determined by the board. That includes such benefits, insurance, transportation allowances, annual vacations, holidays, other entitlements, I love that word, as deemed appropriate. So for that year, the the first one I looked at on a Wednesday, I pulled it up, their documents on their website, 
And it said that they were going to pay him $244,000 a year with $1,500 a year in personal vehicle allowance reimbursement. Okay, we just shot that out of the window. Mm-hmm. Vacation, uh, 10 per year. Okay, I'm going to shoot that out of the window. Evaluation stipend, $833.33. Uh, general expense stipend, $416.67. None of that adds up to 286000 That's correct. So that was well, on. That's a, what they want. They don't want you to see 286 right. there. Now, the reality of the matter is it was a whole lot more than what they're saying. And I looked at that. That was on a Wednesday. So Saturday I went back on the website and looked at the same policy. This is the one on Wednesday. This is the one the next Saturday. Mm -hmm. They went and got changed. Oh, it got changed. Yeah, because now it says he will get $1,500 per month in reimbursement. That's a significant change. Yes, but... I think I had them so frazzled they forgot to change everything. So the eight thirty three stayed the same, but the four sixteen went to six twenty five per month. And it's like somebody scrambling, right? Uh huh. So we're changing documents. One on Wednesday, the document for the twenty uh, one twenty two justification for his contract says this. On Saturday, it changes to it says this. That okay. Now their actual laws. Against against uh, against changing public documents, which I'll delve into in, in future f- days. Okay. All right. Uh, so then I go, okay, well, that doesn't account for anything. So they said, well, yes. So they sent me the resolutions for all this. I said, okay. The okay, just So this is what they said the school board said. Right. Okay. So I've got the resolutions uh, for from uh, back in uh, – uh, 2020 all the way through now. So I'll take the one for 21-22, okay? They are saying on that one, they said, hey, here's a resolution where the school board, cabinet, school district, da 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 desires to adjust the salary of Dr. Tony Thurman from 236900 to 244-007, which is a 3% increase. I'll talk about that in a minute. But it says other conditions of employment. Contract remains. Monthly vehicle allowance, $1,000. That's that that's that thousand dollar a month we were talking about. Right. Maximum of six thousand reimbursed for basic fuel service including fuel. They're saying they justify him getting reimbursed by that. Uh why do you need reimbursements for fuel when you're getting twelve thousand dollar a year in car lines? Mm-hmm. Now we've gone from ten days vacation, they say twenty days vacation per year. Fifteen unused paid at a daily rate so he can buy back fifteen. So that's accounting for the other. He's getting vacation bought back there. Saying ten thousand dollar contract extension stipend to be paid in July after execution. That's that ten thousand dollar payment we're looking at. Five thousand dollar performance evaluation bonus to be paid no later than July thirtieth, twenty twenty two. That's the five thousand. Now here's the problem with this. They say now, therefore, it be resolved by the school board, Cabot School District of Lono County, Arkansas, that the board. The board approves to increase Dr. Thurman's salary from two thirty six nine hundred to two forty four, which includes all those others, past this nineteenth day of January twenty twenty one. All right. Now, if it says passed, it means there was a vote. Yes, sir. Supposedly. Supposedly. Problem is. All right. Now these are, like I say, these are the resolutions. Uh. Uh. From 2019 all the way through the 2022-23. Mm-hmm. 
I went back and pulled the board meetings for each one of these resolutions. Okay. Nowhere in those board minutes is there a vote for any of these resolutions. Nowhere in these board minutes are these resolutions even mentioned. So that makes them illegal. Yes. All right. So my question is, okay, you're telling me you passed this at these board meetings. I went back to these board meetings dates and pulled the minutes. No, sir. And the board minutes are the official record. Okay? No, not in there. So you're telling me you passed that at these board meetings when you didn't pass them at the board meetings. What's Mm. going on? Right. What I suspect is they're thinking that they could do this in executive session. An executive session is is specifically designed where you can go in and talk about personnel, uh, employment, demotion, promotion, things like that, and you can do that in a closed session, but here's what you can't do. Uh, Open meeting laws 2519-106. You cannot make a decision in those meetings. You cannot vote. What you have to do is come out of executive session, present what you're wanting to vote on, get a motion in a second, and then have a vote in public session. There was never a vote in public session for any of these. Therefore, they are illegal. Yeah, because what you've done is you've passed something that the taxpayers don't even know that you passed. Exactly. And there's no record of this passage. So the illegal part now, the question becomes in why? Mm-hmm. We know it's illegal. I sent them an email. I uh, talked to, uh, with some attorneys. Uh, I sent them emails saying, hey, this was done illegal. I, I laid it all out. And say, you have, now you have the opportunity to call a meeting, present each of these resolutions, and the ones before them, one each at a time, present the resolution, read the resolution, and then get a proper motion, a proper second, and then have a proper vote. Otherwise, you're going to get sued. There's only one reason I can think of not to tell people about this. Don't want them to know about it. Don't want them to know. Who would – I'll put it to you like this. And this is a question. I talked to Sarah Owens, one of the school board members on the phone, about this. uh, uh, And I've got the day that I I talked to her in one of the emails. And – you know, I talked to her, and she answered the phone. I said, hey, Jimmy Cabin. And I started going over the reimbursements and stuff. And the payments, I said, are you aware of this? Is the board aware of this? And she's, and her exact quote to me, uh, yes, sir, the board is not aware of this. Okay? That's a direct quote from sir. Yes, sir, the board is, is not, not aware, aware of, of this. this. Okay. And so uh, Layla Seacrest, who's the general counsel for the district, she sends me this long email after we do that, and it's basically – telling me that I'm wrong, that the board has approved this, and the board's perfectly aware of it. And you asked, well, where's the vote? Yeah. And so I said, well, okay, Miss Owens, because she referenced Miss Owens in the email I sent her after the phone call. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, Miss Owens told me on the phone, which I can prove that she said that. And I asked anybody, if you want that proof, just ask me and I'll give it to you. And uh, so I said, no, that's not the case. So my question now is, and I'll put it to him, okay, this was never voted on you can't do that you can't do that and my question and i put it in email and i've asked him my question is i said look 
and I told this to Sarah Owens, and, I t- and I've said this in open email to Tony and Leo. I said, you know, can you ex- please go explain to the custodians, the maintenance workers, the teachers, the bus drivers, why you're entitled to reimbursements for fuel, but they're not. These are people, you've got custodians and cafeteria workers making $30,000 a year. They're, it, to them, going to the grocery store and the, and the gas pump is not just an aggravation. It's a choice of sacrifice. What am I going to sacrifice this week to buy gas? Mm-hmm. What am I going to sacrifice to buy gas? But you got a guy that's making $286,000 a year, and you say he's entitled to fuel reimbursement. What are you going to say to that, that third-year math teacher? Are they not entitled? Yeah, it's doing a good job for you. Yeah. But why is a guy that makes that much money entitled to uh, the car allowance, the reimbursements, uh, the the bonuses? The bonuses? Are you kidding me? Uh, let me give you the Arkansas Department of Education on Cabot School District kids not reading at grade level. Now, you think about $286,000 a year plus all those reimbursements, and you tell me if you're getting what you're paying for, Cabot. Okay. okay? Third grade, kids that are not reading at grade level. 62.9%. Fourth grade, 53.2%. Fifth grade, 57.8%. Sixth grade, 53.8%. Seventh grade, 65.1%. Eighth grade, 40.3%. Ninth grade, 608 Tenth grade, 637 are not reading at grade level. All 64%. All right. Which means... Maybe 35% are reading a grade level? That's the math. And my question to my question to not just the Cabot School District uh, uh, residents, and people, because people forget when they say, well, you don't live in Cabot, it's not your business. Uh, wrong. Uh, every public school in the state roughly is going to run off 70% of their funding is state mm-hmm. funding. It's not all property taxes. So that's my money. Right. Okay, that's my money going out the window. So I do have a say in this. And so my question, those people, I mean, are you getting your money's worth? Between 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 salary and reimbursement, Tony Thurman's getting over $300,000 a year. Are you getting what you're paying for? Yeah, well, we're almost 65% of your seniors can't read at grade level. That's it. Now, you know whose fault this is? I can't really say it's... All Tony's fault. Well, we'll get into that. Sure. All right, because we got to get our final break. Uh, make sure that you know that this will be up on my Facebook page. All right, facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show. Share it with your friends. You need to share it with your friends. Everybody, look, it's supposed to be transparent, so make it transparent. Put it all out there. I'll get with uh, with Jimmy. We'll figure out a way to post all of the, these papers, okay, so that you can see them as well. All right. We got more to finish up with when we come back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show here on The Answer. Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right. Back. Final segment. We got nine minutes here left in the Dave Ellswick Show today. Hope that this has been kind of an eye-opener for you. Now, we reach into other school districts as I'm talking today. You can do the exact same thing that Jimmy's done with your school district, and I highly recommend that you do so. 
Call me, email me, text me. I'll show you how to do it. Okay. And then if they'll allow you to speak in front of the school board, <laughs> uh, you can begin asking questions. Yes. And, and for some reason, not just Kemp School District, but people don't like it when I go to board meetings and want to speak. Yeah, because the they know you got you you yeah. you've come loaded for bears, and, as uh, it used to say. This whole thing, when it boils down to me, is 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 about right and wrong. So, uh, and people need to understand something. Tony Thurman does not have the authority to do this. The school board does. So, guess who is giving Tony Thurman this money? Guess who is doing this? It's the school board. The school board has – Tony Thurman doesn't even have the authority to even hire anybody. The school board ha- only has that th- authority, and so what he puts before them, they have to vote on. So let me just say this. If you want to know who's truly responsible for him getting all these reimbursements and for him making uh, – this year his contract's going to end up – his salary's end up going to be on over 295000 uh, with reimbursements last year and this year he's making over $300,000 a year. And if you want to know who to talk to about that, Board President Joe Trusty, uh, Vice President Sarah Owen, uh, Board Member Marvin Jones, Board Member Pam Clem, Board Member Dr. James Herzog, Board Member Kevin Tipton, well-known, Dream, President of Dreamline Manufacturing, uh, Board Member Corey Williams, Centennial Bank. Uh, if you go to the website... Every one of the, those people's bios are there with their contact information. If you want to contact them about it, I encourage you to do that. Now, hold your breath. Doesn't mean they have to talk to yeah. you. Hold your breath on getting a response. But these are the people who are responsible. Tony cannot just do this on his own. And the problem is, when you look at these grade reading levels, these people are the ones doing it. They are the ones that have the authority. They're the ones that don't want to hear from you at a school board meeting. Uh, they didn't have a policy. The one they set up now, if somebody challenges it in court, they're going to get ate up. But they do not want to talk about this in any type of setting whatsoever because then they have to explain. Mm-hmm. And how do you explain this? Yeah, I think that they're going to have problems explaining how, how, how do you look? How do you look at the cafeteria worker? who's not going to their dream job, making thirty, thirty-two thousand dollars $32,000 a year, how do you ex- explain to the cafeteria worker that, hey, the guy that makes $300,000 a year is also entitled, plus that we're gonna, he's also entitled to have all his fuel paid for. But you, when you, when you go to come and go, just suck it up. Or how do you tell those people, hey, look, uh, we're paying this guy with benefits and everything else three hundred grand, and – almost 65 percent of the seniors in the in the high school can't read a grade level he's not evident his job is to make that school system work like a a charm and make sure that the kids in cabot are being educated 65 percent below reading level to me is missing the mark how, how do you, how do these people reward failure mm-hmm Six, uh, 60 percent's failing, isn't it? Last time I checked. Yeah. So, how do these people justify a rewarding failure? That's that's just beyond comprehension. Anybody, not just at the Cabot School District, but any taxpayer out there, because this is your tax dollars. 
this is state money and federal money going to these schools, should be outraged at this. I'll give you an example. The mayor of Little Rock, no fan. I think that's everybody knows that. <laughs> the mayor of Little Rock makes $160,000 a year. Salary. The mayor. Yeah. Okay. Why? Uh, that's a pretty large city to run, right? Yeah. Why is the <laughs> Why is the superintendent and the schools in Cabot making almost double that? With with I can tell you this: North Rock School District, Dr. Greg Pelosky, not a fan either, but he makes a little under two hundred thousand dollars a year, and they voted to give him a five thousand uh, dollar performance bonus this year. Okay, that's the North Rock School District, just right down the road. That's it. That's what he makes about two hundred five with that bonus. Yet Tony. Tony Thurman, just right down the road, is it over three hundred grand? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, if if you can show me the numbers that the superintendent is doing a superlative job, then I might say, okay, I understand because yeah. the kids are 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 excelling, but they're not excelling. That's the big problem that we got here, and that's why I believe next year, uh, when the state legislature gets together. And they start talking about universal open choice. You're going to hear a hue and cry from superintendents and the teachers union that you've never heard before. Cutting their money off. Mm-hmm. Cutting their money off. Can I can I just say real quick? Yeah, you I, got and I don't do, don't do it enough. Uh, all you folks out there, there's a book called the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act, sixth sixth edition, uh, by Attorney Robert Steinbuck. I highly recommend every individual go out and get that book. It's made easy to read for just average people like me. It is an absolute game changer on on information you can get and how to and how to get it. And uh, Steinbuck is just a genius, but he puts it in a way that's easy for anybody to understand. And so when they tell you you can't have this information, they're lying to you. Now the Conway school budget, by the way is more than Conway and Faulkner County budgets combined. Yeah. Shock, isn't that something? <laughs> I wonder I wonder what they show for all that money being spent. We may just find out. Yeah, we just might find <laughs> out. All right. Got to take a, a, a break here. I'm I'm done for today. Don't forget about Jer, uh, Jeremy Horkenthal. It's going to be on tomorrow from Acre. We're going to talk about econ tomorrow and about what is a recession. We'll talk about that here on the Dave Oswick Show. Jimmy, thank you very much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. In. Thank you for having me on. And remember, you can use my stuff that I've got on my Facebook page. Share it with your friends. Until tomorrow, you have a great afternoon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.